This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3099 for Thursday the 18th of June 2020. Today's show is entitled Linux in Laws Season 1 Episode 8 The Review of the Review and is part of the series Linux in Laws. It is hosted by Monochromec and is about 46 minutes long and carries an explicit flag. The summary is in this short episode our two heroes rant about Linus. Transmeter. Edge OS. This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. Linux in Laws, a podcast on topics around free and open source software, any associated contraband, communism, the revolution in general, and whatever else fancies your tickle. Please note that this and other episodes may contain strong language, offensive humor, and other certainly not politically correct language. You have been warned. Our parents insisted on this disclaimer. Happy mum! Thus, the content is not suitable for consumption in the workplace, especially when played back on a speaker in an open-plan office or similar environments. Any minors under the age of 35 or any pets, including fluffy little killer bunnies, your trusted guide dog, unless on speed, and cute T-Rexes or other associated dinosaurs. This is Linux In-Laws, Season 1, Episode 8. The review of the review of the review of the review of the review. The news. Yes. Okay, the news is mainly about our friend Linus. What's he up to? Well, he bought a new laptop or something. Did he? Uh, he did a release and he's been moaning about fine lengths, etc. Uh, there's there's other main three news items on his part, I think. Well, do have I like... missed one? Do enlighten us, dear Martin. What's the crack? Okay. No, if, 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 let, let's, if we start with the last one, um, he's basically saying that if you have some old crappy machinery, uh, terminal-wise, etc., then you're stuffed because we as people with fancy new machines don't care and we're going to take away the 80 characters per line limit. But this is blasphemy. Well, yes, I mean, the whole kind of um, premise of, of Linux is that it runs on many small and tiny and old devices, right? I mean, obviously, they don't have to upgrade to, 
fine by sending but yeah um well maybe we can get the affirmative action crowd in because this is clearly a an age bias there's been some backlash about it but um yeah this is when mostly from older people i suppose <laughs> not the young hipsters like linus torvalds if you're listening <laughs> don't know how old is he um 40 good question actually let me look this up ah. he must be in his 40s now but um yeah so i mean who cares right he uh, is as a matter of fact no he's 50 okay there we go it's good age good age linus linus if if you're listening <clears throat> yes you you linus you don't know the de- the amount of damage you're doing with that sort of remark <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. there's a German saying: you should never saw off the bench or the branch, sorry, that you're sitting on. And that's exactly what you're doing now, Don Linus. If you're listening, I'm sure. I'm sure you're listening. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, this is more uh, of interest to the people who actually read code, anyway, right? So, um, people that just run Linux, uh, they don't really care. But there we go. Well, I mean, I'm just thinking about. Uh, I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking loud here about the embedded folks. The embedded folks still yes. use serial lines to get in touch with motherboards to check out the exact steps that a bootloader and and the first steps of the of the kernel are taking once you power up a machine or a board. Mm-hmm. And um, typically, these hermits would run uh, eighty by twenty four characters. Because these terminals are as old as we are. Yeah, so what are they changing the limit to, um, Chris? I don't think that they are sticking to any limits. Okay. Meaning that's probably all kind of messed up eventually. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, there's, there's, um, there's some mention about 100 in some comments, but I don't uh, <clears throat> investigate all the details, but still. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's a little bit uh, short-sighted, let's put it that way. And and the other bit was actually that bit, yes. Linus is is defecting from Intel. I hear. You see, uh, you know, you know about his his background, right? The transmitter business and all the rest of it. Why don't you enlighten our listeners? Um, when Linus basically moved to the US, there was a reason for this. Uh, he got an offer from a company called. Trans- which folded subsequently, I think, I think, or was um, uh, bought by another entity. And at that stage, I think shortly afterwards, Linux basically moved to the foundation as Linux Foundation. But the, the um, transmitter was set up with the idea of uh, doing a fancy risk architecture, but providing full compatibility to something called the Intel CISC architecture. Pretty much repeating, I think, the idea. Um, that Intel already, I think, at that stage already had, which is still availing of the advances in risk technology, um, and then wrapping this uh, this risk core up into a CISC execution layer. So when you buy a Skylake or Coffee Lake or whatever these things mm-hmm. are called these days, or um, Gin Lake, Rum Lake, whatever, whatever <laughs> fancy names Intel can, can come up with, essentially you're buying a very Perform, performant, let's put it this way, risk core um, wrapped around in a CISC um, um, wrapper, if you will. 
um, because at, on a die level, you're talk, you're still talking risk here. Um, again, something that uh, Intel stole from a company called IBM, who came up with the concept about mm. 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. When I mean, if you power up a mainframe, the, one of the first steps uh, during the IPL, the initial program load, is actually it reads some microcode. Cool. Um, that goes back to the uh, it's point in time. Yes. I have to say. <laughs> that goes back <laughs> to the point in time when you basically were, were able to upload microcode uh, micro from, uh, from paper tapes or even punch cards um, and then powering up a machine. So if you buy a Linux One system that still runs opcode, um, that has been defined about four fifty or, or six years six years back, six years back give or take, yeah, I suppose. Um, but at the very core, of course, is still a very expensive and fast risk processor, because underneath the hood, IBM is using something called power the power the power PC architecture PPC. Okay. On yes, mainframes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's um, he's built this all himself. Well, built he's put some components together. Um, so yeah, that was the, the. I think the stint at Transmeta was what, not that long. Um, yeah, he visited at least according to the Wikipedia page. Um, you find this hopefully in the show notes. He visited this in '67 and uh, sorry '96. 67, exactly. And worked there from 97 to 2003. Um, okay. That means six years. Hmm. Interesting. And okay. I think the deal was, yes, he was being, de- he was being deployed by, uh, by Transmitter, but he would still have the time to oversee the Linux development, as in the, cur- the current development from a Linux perspective. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, the, the main, yeah. the main point of this uh, move from um, Intel to AMD is to get more performance, really, wasn't it? That's, there isn't any and, on, an underlying uh, motivation, I believe. And in, and AMD is is faster than Intel. Interesting. Apparently, to some independent benchmarks. Independent benchmarks. Basically, I thought these were the people you pay for your lies. <laughs> yeah. No? yeah, I'm wrong. Indeed. Okay. And the third news was 5.7 release. Do enlighten us, Martin. What is 5.7? Oh, Linux 5.7. It's the one after 5.6. <laughs> I see. Any interesting um, stuff happening on the kernel front then? Well, personally, I didn't wasn't particularly struck by anything. That stood out for me. A bunch of uh, extra drivers, some new fat uh, file system driver from Samsung. Um, But then, yeah, that was a bunch of bug fixes. That was it, really, as far as I could read it. Ubuntu is going to be a bit behind with releasing this into theirs, but Mm. they will do this. And did anything strike you out of the release? To be honest with you, I didn't even pay attention beyond the stuff you mentioned. Um, okay. Can't recall, no. Um, mm. The interesting uh, fact is there, there are sort of uh, 14,000 commits to that release. So that's, that's, uh, Which is average, right? I mean, it's not a huge number. Mm. No, but if you compare that to your um, other open source projects, that's obviously... 
by way by far the the most active project, right? Well, I would reckon it's one of the biggest open source distributed mm. open source community projects, for want of a better word, on the planet. As a matter yeah. of fact, I cannot think of anything bigger right now. Well, that's maybe, 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 maybe apart from <laughs> browser stuff like Chromium or even Firefox. Mm. Maybe. I mean, in, in terms of in terms yeah. of overall K log, as in killer lines of code. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hmm. No, I mean, browsers tend to be fairly comprehensive these days. Yes. Clocking in at a couple of million lines of code, I, w- I would reckon similarly, um, on a similar scale, the kernel weighs in, give or take. I haven't done a, a line count recently, but that would be my assumption. But you know, um, that we, that we would look, that we would be looking at least at five to ten million lines of code, something like this. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, if you compare that to, oh, no, you, you, you add by a factor of five. Um, so how, how big is 10, it? 10.8 million lines. Yeah. 27.8, uh, okay, wow. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, when you think about the likes of an Oracle database, which has 20 million lines of code as well, um, I think 20 or two, anyway, uh, many millions. Um, and then if you look like, say, uh, a Redis project, that's 70,000. <laughs> Those are the big ones out there, right? So I'd be surprised if it's smaller than an Oracle database piece of code. But. Well, do you, I reckon you don't have that many external committers to something called Oracle, right? Uh, no, but it has been around longer than Linux. Uh, uh, well, that's true. For some reason or another. Uh, yeah, well... By the way, <laughs> there, there are a number of reasons for that. Let's not go into that right now. By the way, w- welcome to the closed source review podcast. <laughs> oh, In case you're wondering, yes, we are discussing closed source software for a change. You have to have some perspective, right, for these things. This is, oh, absolutely. Uh, mm. uh, in that case, how come you know how many lines of code are in Oracle? Well, it's an interesting fact if you compare, um, say, a uh, an open source piece of code like. Redis uh, with an Oracle or, or a yeah, Postgres. The right. very nature of Oracle is that it's not open source. So, yeah. Somebody, I mean, if somebody tells you Oracle has about what 20, uh, 20 million lines of code, you simply mm. have to take their word for it because you cannot prove it. No, yes, maybe. Hmm. You see my good point? point? Good point. Yes, 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 yes. So, yeah, they, so, with the C code so if Oracle is lying, <laughs> hmm. tough luck. Yeah, well, I mean, in a way, it doesn't really matter. Um, Maybe it's only a few thousand lines of code. And, the, 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 and the rest is, is obviously being bulky and stuff. Um, Maybe it's just a few thousand lines of code and the rest is marketing fluff. Hmm. You never know. Yeah, so it makes you wonder, though, why does an operating system need that many lines of code, right? Um, if you take a look at the well, at, this, at, at least when I did it, I'm more the to the point. Bulk... How many filters are in it? <laughs> oh no, here we go again, <laughs> dear listeners. There has been an ongoing discussion between the hosts of Linux in laws about the viability of GoDo's in mm. certain code bases or not. Uh, and the point that I try to make here is that in isolated use cases, yes, you can use GoTo. Martin apparently coming from a Lisp or a closure background totally disagrees. So if you have thoughts on this, 
The email address is feedback at linuxinlaws.eu. Please share your views. We are more than happy to discuss them on the show. If you're listening, Claudio, yeah, we appreciate your feedback <laughs> on this. Yeah, um, more more on the review of Claudio's review later. Indeed. Um, okay. Um, sorry, we were discussing. Yes, yeah, sorry. Going back oh. to the kernel. The last well, time, right. yes, the last time I looked <clears> at it, the bulk of the code, as in the the from from a from a Klog perspective, was actually vast drivers. Uh, that is right. the reason why yeah, Linux is so big because mm -hmm. you can run it on a uh, on a single chip um, a system as like an SOC a system on a chip rather sorry right up to the mainframe. All these devices, or all these all these all these gadgets have different devices. For example, the mainframe still has an architecture called channel processor attached to it. Uh, special instructions and all the rest of it. You have a million GPUs out there as in graphical processing units that want drivers. You have a hand, a bulk load of Wi-Fi driver, of Wi-Fi chips, never mind the DSP and the embedded, and, and the embedded world. All of them need actually device drivers. The ARM folks have done the decent thing. They invented something, they invented something called DST, um, which is, I think, device system tree or something. Essentially, it's a definition language inside the kernel. For device drivers like um, uh, DMA mappings, port mappings, and other characteristics, uh, the idea is basically not to re rewrite device drivers every time you need a new device driver, but rather putting an architecture into place that can be modified with very little effort. That was the overall um, um, yeah. idea behind something called it's the device system tree or whatever it's called uh, or, or, or whatever it stands for. So actually there is a, I think there's even a compiler inside the kernel that takes the DST description and then generates the appropriate instructions or mappings uh, on the fly. And needless to say that helps a lot with porting uh, the Linux kernel to to devices with that sort of, of, of architecture. Mm -hmm. Okay, so DSD doesn't stand for dark side tech. Does it? <laughs> That's Fair enough. As in the serial of the DSTS. <laughs> I see. More on that later. Um, yes. Okay. Very good. Is there anything else worth discussing? Was worth discussing at this moment uh, with regards to maybe no. maybe even beyond five point seven? Sorry, what um, we're talking about. What are you talking about now? News, just general news. Oh, news, news. Uh, yes. Blah, 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 blah. yes, I noticed that the what? code of the Corona app is actually on now on GitHub. So, as you may or may not know, the German um, government decided to task some C League players by the name of SAP and German Telecom <laughs> with the development of a Corona app uh, mm -hmm. that is able to detect Corona outlets. Within your um, what's a Corona outlet? Um, a, an outlet basically where you can buy the beer. Ah, okay, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, Europe, if you're listening, uh, you may. Uh, sorry, uh, Euro European. What's what I'm looking for? Ca not cartel, but rather um, competitive agencies. Ah. As in, um, yeah, I as in, as in, comp yeah, exactly. Um, competition regulators. That's what I'm looking for. Yes, if you're okay. listening, you <clears throat> may want to get in touch um, mm. with the with the app producers to to ensure that they also consider Heineken, Carlsberg, 
um, Rolch, Guinness, and whatever and whatever else comes to mind here, because just doing it for Corona, which is by the way an Amer a Mexican beer, not even coming from Europe, may be a blatant violation of of competitive uh, yeah. of, of of the competitive landscape yeah, here. Yes, and, exactly. Um, yes, and and whilst you are listening, uh, uh, brewers of the above, don't forget the sponsoring opportunity. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> And yes, uh, we don't do apps, but we do a beautiful podcast called The Linux in Laws. Excellent. Okay, coming back. No jokes aside. Um, the idea, well, of course, is the idea, of oh, course, sorry. is yes. um, because the German taxpayer is funding this, that you eventually hmm. put the code on, on, that you eventually put the code on GitHub. And that's exactly what happened. Okay. So for, for those. Is there any good? <laughs> I haven't checked it out, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, the idea is to have a cross-platform app running on iOS as well as Android um, that will implement George Orwell's wildest dreams, essentially, mm -hmm. meaning that you have now full traceability, of course, anonymized, if you will, because that was one of the great marketing taglines of this app. Yeah. Um, uh, with this Corona stuff, so so the idea is basically you install the app on your phone. Hmm. Um, it then uses something called Bluetooth Low Energy (BLE) to pick up similar smartphones with similar apps uh, with 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 the with, with the with the app installed as well, and then tracks these apps or tracks these contacts rather. Mm -hmm. um, should one of the other smartphones then belong? To, a, to an owner that registers as positive with regards to the overall infection uh, situation, you are then being notified that within a certain amount of time, you, you were in contact with that person. The trouble is basically, um, it doesn't give you the phone number, it doesn't give you the name, so it just essentially tells you is that... Is there any um, kind of follow-up there that you have to get yourself tested in Germany or not? Uh, it's not. It's not required. No, right. but but the big worry here is that, oh, of course, smart hmm. because smartphones are not anonymous. A smartphone mm -hmm. has something called a SIM card in it, hmm. and each and every SIM card has a unique identifier, Imzy. which is which is which is not the phone number exactly. Mm -hmm. So, and that is that information, of course, is accessible by the, by the operating system, and also. Via the app, ah. um, it requires, depending on your operating system, certain permissions. Um, but hmm. if you yes. don't, um, if I reckon, well, you may as well the, not install it in the first place, then, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so with so with that sort of of technology, as I said, um, George Orwell's wildest dreams have come true because. Okay, Google tracks you if you're using Maps and don't turn the location service off. But here, you are not just being tracked with regards to your whereabouts, you're also uh, being tracked with whom you were in contact. Mm -hmm. well, that's quite handy for lots of reasons. Indeed. Especially if you are a um, government entity not concerned with the public health, but rather some much more shady mm -hmm. business. Yep. 
and obviously the shady people are not going to use this app. It's <laughs> kind of pointless. Shady okay. people, if you're listening out there, do not install this app. Just don't. <laughs> Never mind Corona, Heineken, um, uh, Grolt, Carlsberg. Just forget about the app. You don't want to do this. By the way, I wouldn't advise using smartphones here. Feature phones with a throwaway SIM are much more are, are much more useful in this context because um, after use, you simply throw away the SIM. No big deal. So I heard anyway. And the phone, yeah. Yep. Hmm. But okay. uh, presumably in your country, you can also not buy phones without ID. Or... Well, I think there's, in theory, there's the legal requirement uh, to register, uh, even if you're using a prepaid service. But hmm. um, I reckon uh, for those people who are listening, who are slightly more on the know, I'm sure you also know how to get around this requirement. Shady bunch, yeah. <laughs> the shady people, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So there's one thing remaining. We're going to do the pox. And before this, we have a review of Claudio's review. Uh, just to fill the, uh, just to fill in the listeners, somebody mm. called Claudio, what's the second name again? Ah, so Claudio Miranda, if you're listening, this is for you. Come star. Bene, e tu? Bene, have you heard about Claudio? He read about Next Step on some podcast. He did the what? Spilled the beans about Next Step, including its spelling. Porca troja, you serious? It is out in the open on some podcast called Hacker Public Radio or something. So the whole world knows that Next Step is not really all lowercase. You name it. This is big and it's immediate attention. Let me get in touch with the excuses. Somewhere in the more shady parts of Manhattan's Hell Kitchen, there's a small nondescript building hosting the Fratanella di Correzione, or the Brotherhood of Correction. The Brotherhood is the SWAT team, local chapters of the Ravangetta, the Cosa Nostra, American mobs or the Armenians call to rescue to do the heavy lifting. Think of it like the Delta Force, the Navy SEALs, ISIS and other organizations with a special focus all rolled into one. But much more professional. On a good day. On a bad day, you really don't want to upset them as a long and painful death would be considered the easy way out. Sicily got in touch. Apparently, there's a spot of bother. What's the trouble? Apparently, somebody revealed the truth about Next Step's original spelling. Like all lowercase? No, the original spelling. Like the one in the book written by the one who must not be named? Exactly, in public. You mean even on Wikipedia and such? Let me check. That's true indeed. That's a cluster focus. Whoever did this must have traveled back in time and changed this in all the wrong places. This is bad news. And it is written in the tomes of old that the name with the original capitalization when uttered aloud will unleash the beast and end all worlds. Afraid so. This is way beyond our pay grade. It is called for special attention by the chaps. 
You mean the First Order? No, rather the cleaning crew behind them. Somewhere on the planet on the outer ring of the Southern Crab Nebula, there are the headquarters of the Ediskrat. A race originally bred by the First Order, the Ediskrats are a species of transgalactic, interdimensional mercenaries with a prime objective, setting things right. For whoever has the most convincing arguments. Most of the time, this means galactic credits. A lot of galactic credits. Think of them as Mandalorians with an attitude. For the benefit of those few listeners not familiar with Ediskratian, we provided a version of the following dialogue between Luan Thrat and Nanak, two of the best consultants the Ediskrat have to offer, and normally only booked for special assignments. A system soul just got in touch looking for a quote for a contract for something important, something about an operating system called Next Step. The one, when spoken out aloud with the wrong capitalization, can destroy worlds and galaxies and cause minor havoc? That seems to be the one. The contract is for a single, though. Single system, single star, or single planet? No, single being. What? They didn't get the memo? Like all other big organizations, the Ediscrats recently had to undergo a so-called reorganization where a bean counter, most of the time more commonly known as a controller in other civilizations, at headquarters came to the conclusion that the margin on destroying anything smaller than a plant wasn't cutting it, in the light of the prevailing expense structures, like building and maintaining death stars, low-orbit iron colliders, etc., and even ending a planet carried a hefty surcharge according to their latest price list. You get the picture. Apparently not. What should we do? Tell them that we cannot make an exception. Either the whole system goes or nothing at all. We have to let this slip, otherwise the word will get around that we are still the cheapos which we used to be. Shortly afterwards, in one of the bigger cities on the eastern coast of a continent in the northern hemisphere, of a third planet from the star of a system called Sol. The chaps got back in touch. Apparently they sent a new price list, which we never got. Interstellar mail still sucks. Bummer. What's the deal? They will only destroy a whole planet at a price. It gets cheaper if we want a whole star system gone. Are you serious? This won't wash with the dawn. We can't send someone local. Connor comes to mind, but he just sent a personal time-off request. His third-grade cousin's cat just got kittens. And he has to get a present for the questioning. You're joking. No, the cat's a Jew, so he can't cut corners. Fuck it then. Let the Sicilians sort it out themselves. The Brotherhood just rang. The deal is off. They cannot send somebody to sort this out. Apparently, it's too expensive to get the pros in on this. Arr, 
you are serious? The world are gonna end and they're quibbling about dough. So it seems. What's the Salvatore up these days? Can't he take care of this? No, we haven't heard from him in ages. Apparently he's busy writing computer software or something. And I can't wait. Doesn't look like it, uh, as some Amish websites really love the stuff. You mean the speedy access to adulty entertainment? Yep, that's the one. Oh. <laughs> This is Linux In-Laws, a podcast on topics around free and open source software, any associated contraband, communism, the revolution in general, and whatever else fancies your tickle. Please note that this and other episodes may contain strong language, offensive humor, and other certainly not politically correct language. You have been warned. Our parents insisted on this disclaimer. Happy mum! Thus, the content is not suitable for consumption in the workplace, especially when played back on a speaker in an open-plan office or similar environments. Any minors under the age of 35 or any pets, including fluffy little killer bunnies, your trusted guide dog, unless on speed, and cute T-Rexes or other associated dinosaurs. So, Martin, what do you make of this review of the review? Um, I, I'm going to be um, politically correct here. and <laughs> I think it was very constructive. Fair enough. Uh, Claudio, bef- be- before this goes totally the wrong way, uh, don't get me wrong, just us taking the piss, this is totally normal, this is what we do as Linux in-laws. Your your comments and your and your feedback is appreciated, and needless to say that goes for any of the of the listeners um we do value feedback sometimes we may reserve the right to use some artistic freedom here um as we did just with the with the kind of slight sketch here that we just did about claudia's review but as i said your reviews your feedbacks your feedback is appreciated so um if we don't have any more feedback yeah thank you claudio um if you're coming from an italian background molto grazie signore um, if not, thank you very much anyway, and we look forward to more of this kind. We may reserve the right not to take the piss in this case, <laughs> just in case. Okay, um, before we roll this up, um, I think there's still mm. the pox to do. So, Martin, the what's pox. your pox? Oh, my God. Yes. Pox. Uh, pox. Oh, my God. I don't know. Um, hmm. I have a lot of anti-pox, but... We'll come to that in a minute. Hmm. Okay, if Martin draws a blank here, my pox is actually a TV <laughs> a TV series yeah. called Californication. I uh, checked this out again recently. Um, I think it dates back about Ooh, 10 I have, years. I do have one. Carry on, yeah. Oh, sorry, yes. Carry on, um, carry on. That's right. Yes. Californication basically desc- describes the exploit, the exploits rather, 
of uh, and now I'm basically I'm, I'm Martin. You have to you have to help me out here. I'm I'm pretty bad at actor na- at actor names. Um, X Files. David Duchovny or something like this. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, it describes him. the exploits of 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 him exactly. Um, being a um, a writer for a TV show, among other things, and then heavily into kind of uh, family life, drugs, alcohol. Needless to say, the whole the whole thing reminded reminded me very much of Factotum or even Barfly or Hollywood done by a guy called Charles Bukowski. The whole TV series has a somewhat Bukowskian touch to it, I think. Um, so if you check, uh, you will find the links in the show. You will, you will find the link in, in the show notes. Get it from your video outlet or streaming service of choice. It's at least a couple of sec- uh, at least a couple of series. I think it, they did about, they did about six, uh, six seasons or something like this worth watching. Okay. Um, and of course, you have our beloved Pamela Adlon f- starring this too. So, any Pamela, Pamela Adlon fans, this is are something you, are, are you don't want to miss. Those <laughs> I, no, I wouldn't call myself uh, a Pamela Adlon fan. No, okay. I, I, she's yeah. just a great actress. That's all. But on to <laughs> your picks, um, or po- yes. uh, sorry, pox of the week, rather. Yes. Possibly. Yeah. So, so it it ties in with the anti pox, but um, yeah, it just reminded me. Um, it is a website called wiki.archlinux.org, which mm. friend and who, colleague Chris, who, re, who, yeah, who recommended that to you? I'll just, just check in there. Uh, was some somebody you know? I, um, tech support guy <laughs> is <a bit> dodgy, <laughs> but <laughs> I thought I'd check it out. Anyway. Ah, okay. Maybe some <laughs> random Arch package maintainer recommended that to you. <laughs> How is that Maybe called Arch Wiki? Yeah, okay. Uh. Fair enough. Kind of makes sense, um, but yeah, now it's it's, um, it's quite well written and very informative, all in one place. Should you very good if you're so kind of technically inclined like Martin is, find out the basics of Linux pieces of architecture like IP tables, uh, ah. which brings me onto the pox of the week, which is. Um, that was the pox of the week. You mean the antipox? Antipox, yes. Well, let me, pox, pox let is me, a disease, you know, so it's really me, bad. No, thing. no, 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 no. <laughs> a pox stands, of course, for a pick of the weeks or picks of the week. It should be a don't pow, worry about then, it. surely not. Well, don't worry about it. No, it's just shorter. <laughs> pow, pick and, of, of course, that unfortunately, I didn't, I, I did send a memo about this, but apparently you, did, you didn't get this. Uh, this. This term was coined while you were out of office. As in, um, not participating in the podcast for that for that mm. single episode, and the anti-pox, of course, is something you want to forget very quickly uh, or just have a general dis- despise for. Despise is that the word I'm looking for? That you generally despise, exactly. Mm. So let me give you an example. Strawberry ice cream would be a pox, whereas um, what's beer, yeah. no beer would be a pox too. Okay. Whereas whereas a beer gone off would be an anti-pox, yeah, or okay. some or some um, already melted strawberry ice cream mm. in the gutter would be an anti-pox. That's sort of thing. <laughs> I see. And what floor do you, you live on? You okay. get the drift. Uh, third, yes. I think I can't recall. Anyway, it doesn't uh, matter. Okay, no, it's, um, it's, let it's, me guess. Yeah, anti-pox of the week is something called HOS. 
Yeah, uh, yes, it's kind of related to that. I mean, it's it's a little bit strong. It's it's not that bad, but um, yeah, it is uh, as with anything propriety put some uh, messy wrappers around it and confuse everybody. So yeah, that was my antibox. And HOS being a, a, a router switch OS um, invent, well not invented, running on Ubiquiti Network Kit. For those people who um, bought similar Ubiquiti Kit, Ubiquiti kit like Martin did, <laughs> Uh, and want to get into kind of doing is providing ISP service for the neighbors on the side, that sort of thing, or are just kind of concerned that their um, twenty port router doesn't fit the bill anymore. Yes, Ubiquiti does very that does very serious kit. In case uh, you cover such as uh, you're not like Martin, you're not impressed. There is actually, and you will and you will find the link in the show notes. There is the ability to install Debian, Debian packages for Ubiquiti. So you can complement the HOS user land with native Debian packages because this is something that probably not that many people no, know. This is, yeah. MIPS, and this is basically what the what the Ubiquiti device, uh, devices use, is a supported architecture for Debian, similar to ARM or Intel. So you can install native MIPS-based packages on your HOS device. That, of course, gives you the advantage of not having to deal exclusively with this crappy user land as, as offered by HOS, if I hmm. am not completely mistaken. Mm-hmm. Did you notice Bruce is here? So, um, I don't think uh, no, 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 no. Okay. Yes, just and that has cut. Okay. Cut. And that has cut. Yes. Cut. And let's get on, let's get on with the next episode. We would like to thank the Ediscrut for sponsoring this episode of Linux and Laws. Whether it's just a single small star system you want to get rid of or a whole galaxy, no job is too small or large for this elite troop of trained professionals who will get the work done for you in no time. Offer limited to the next 40,000 years. Like discounts offered for jobs, including 10 more galaxies. Surcharges for single planets may apply. Please note that the Ediscrat is a highly sophisticated group of seasoned professionals. Don't try this at home, kids of any age. This podcast is licensed under the latest version of the Creative Commons license. Type attribution share alike. Credits for the intro music go to Blue Sea Roosters for the song Salute Margaret to Twin Flames for their piece called The Flow, used for the segment intros, and finally to Celestial Ground for their song Sweet Justice, used by the Dark Side. you find these and other ditties licensed under CC at Chimando, a website dedicated to liberate the music industry from choking copyright legislation and other crap concepts. <laughs> Ciao ragazzo, come sta? Bene, e tu? Bene, have you heard about Claudio? He ratted about that next step on podcast. He did the what? <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> spilled beans about next stepper, <laughs> including its spelling. Spelling is a bit tricky to do in Italian. Okay. Uh, ooh, how do you pronounce? Uh, Porca Troia. Troia is Troia. Yeah. Just roll the R. That's important. Porca Troia. You serious? It is out uh, in the open on some podcast uh, called Hacker Public. Called Hacker Public. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get a beer first. <laughs> on yeah. some podcast uh, called Hacker Public Radio or something. <laughs> so the whole world knows that next step B is not really a lowercase. You name it. <laughs> This is big and needs immediate attention. Let me get in touch with the HQs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if we can take bad. it to the notch, that's okay. It's all right. <laughs> it's, Italian is easy once you get in it. <laughs> oh, have you some, oh. Do you have some vino um, um, rosso <laughs> at your disposal? <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm on the tea still. It's too early. <laughs> Too bad, too bad. Should we should we try the should we try the 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 New Yorker mob too? Uh okay, hang on, I need to do or, or should we do or should we do the or should we record the Italian first? Uh, it's up it's really up to you. Ah, uh, it's probably a good idea, yeah. Stick with the Italian mob. Um, yeah. but as I said, please take it down and not because I think that was hey, slightly what? over the top. No, 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 no. It's, it's <laughs> magnifico. No, seriously, Martin. What? <laughs> Oh, it's just a bit of fun, okay, isn't it? Start the recording now. Okay, rolling. Okay, I keep rolling. <laughs> I mean, we can always edit this out later, so no worries. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. No, should we do a dry run for the for the New Yorker bunch? Yeah, oh, Russian, Russian. Uh, oh, say something Russian. <laughs> um, Nastrovia. It's pretty much like Italian. Nastrovia. Da, da. Oh, you darker if you get my drift. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Spaziba. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it. it I mean, it, it can. I mean, it can be American. I mean, don't worry about it. So that's okay. Uh, okay. Sicily got in touch. Apparently, there's a spot of bother. Oh, is it trouble? <laughs> that's more. And then uh, well, it may be no. a little bit more realistic. <laughs> Sicily. Uh. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Sicily got in touch. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on with the Italian. No, no public no public is not Italian, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, um okay. Sicily got in touch. Apparently there's a spot of bother. Oh, sorry, again. Okay. Rolling. <clears throat> <clears throat> no. Rather the cleaning crew behind them. Oh fucking hell. <laughs> what? Who? What? <laughs> what are you done? You stopped the recording. Cut, cut, cut. cut. <laughs> What happened? That was just arti- that was an art- artistic amendment <laughs> to the dialogue. <laughs> what are you on about? <laughs> oh, you added something. Okay. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club 
and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.